Today, our guest is Marcus Blanchard at Focal Point Planning. Uh, Marcus, thanks for letting me pick your brain. Uh, by means of background, uh, Marcus and I have kind of been going back and forth here on uh, LinkedIn for quite some time, and we've had countless phone calls, and he's really just a wealth of knowledge. Um, so I did want to bring him on here to share a little bit about his business. So Marcus, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. And if you want to go ahead and, and give maybe a brief summary and talk about what you do and what your expertise is in. Sure. Yeah, I, absolutely. Thank, thanks again for having me on, Paul. I, I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Marcus Blanchard. I am a financial advisor and the owner of Focal Point Financial Planning. Okay. Um, really, my specialty there is um, to... to to put it in layman's terms, I help you not get killed in taxes when you sell your business or property, um, and also when you're getting ready for retirement. So those are uh, typically two big life-changing events. Oftentimes they happen at the same time, but but you know not not all the time. Um, and there the the cost of getting it wrong is is quite high. Yeah, so um, that's yeah. So that that's me. That's what I like to nerd out on and uh, help people out with. Okay, cool. Um, and I know uh, in previous phone calls, we've actually talked a little bit about it, but we haven't gone too far in depth. So if you want to maybe catch some uh, some people who might be listening uh, in on it, um, and I can kind of point it in the right direction by saying, you know, where were you at in August of 2009? And, and maybe <laughs> a little bit further of, of how that uh, sort of impacted maybe your journey of becoming a financial advisor. Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, everybody can think back to their their first uh, memory of money or their first experience with money. Um, the one that really stood out to me was, like you said, back in August of 2009, um, I had just enlisted in the Marine Corps. I was going through boot camp down in uh, sunny Southern California. Um, <clears throat> and they had just given us uh, like the, the government's 401k, like okay. sign-up sheet, right? The, the TSP for yeah. those who uh, are familiar. And, you know, I was 18 years old at the time. And I just remember thinking through it and just thinking to myself, I, I have no idea what any of this stuff means, right? right? I, I don't know how much I should be investing. I don't know what to invest into. I don't know what account type I should choose. Uh, just totally lost, you know, and, and I and I looked around at, at the other 18-year-olds around me. And of course, no one else knew uh, what they were doing either. And if, uh, you know, you, you keep track of financial history at all, uh, 2009 was uh, <laughs> starting to come out of a, a very rough time period. <laughs> And I, I, I made all the wrong decisions. Okay. So, you know, knowing what I know now, looking back, it's, uh, you know, I, I wasn't investing enough. I was invested like a 70 year old when I was 18. Um, so I, I missed out on a lot of gains that I could have had, right? Luckily it, it, it there's the opportunity cost rather than an actual loss cost. Um, but, you know, I, I hated that feeling of feeling like I was guessing because that's, that's quite literally what I was doing as I was filling out this form of yeah. just, check the box, just get it done. We're going to go on with our day. Um, and as I, that, that's kind of what got me started, right? Um, got me interested in finances because I told myself, I, I don't want to be in that situation again. I don't want to feel like I am guessing when it comes to making, you know, what, what felt like to me at the time, big decisions with my money. Okay. So I started to learn and, and, and grow. And that's actually, I'm one of the few people who can say that they actually used their degree in their, their everyday lives. So I did uh, study this in college. I got a, a degree from Utah Valley University in personal financial planning. Okay. Um, and as I learned that, uh, I realized that people are in that same situation 
uh, but they're making these decisions with a lot greater sum of money, right? They're, you know, they, they have a, a life's accumulation of savings for a, a piece of property or a business that they've built over decades and they don't know what to do. Right. So that's, that's a terrible feeling. It, it's a terrible thing to hear yeah. of like, oh, I wish I had known that sooner. Um, it's, it's, it's an even more terrible thing to have to say. So ultimately that, that's why I am here today. Um, you know, and specifically with my own firm is so that I can help people never have to say again, I wish I had known that sooner. Gotcha. And would you kind of consider that maybe your, your why for, you know, be, becoming a financial advisor and really, mm -hmm. um, maybe making a difference in, in, in your field and in other people's lives? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So again, it, it, it did start with selfish reasons of, Hey, I want to know how this, uh, how all this stuff works for my own yeah. finances. Yeah. Um, but then once I got a handle on that, I looked around and saw that everybody was, was walking in the dark as well. Right. Just like, just like my first, first experience, nobody knew what they're doing. Um, and, and if you have a light, then, then shine it, right. Help people find their way. I agree. And I know that, you know, right out the gate, you sort of, um, you, you decided that, instead of joining maybe a, a more established firm, you were going to start out and uh, and you started your own firm. Um, do you want to maybe go a little bit into that and, you know, talk about why you decided to do it that way? Yeah. So, so I didn't start right out of the gate, uh, started okay. my own firm, uh, just to clarify. Sure. Um, I, I originally started at uh, a large brokerage, you know, firm uh, okay. that, or green, if anybody nice. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Together. Um, in college, you know, it's a, it's a call center job. It paid the bills. It was a really good introductory step to kind of learn, okay, I, I understand all these concepts, but where does the rubber actually meet the road, right? How do you open these accounts? How do you do this? How do you do that? Um, but, and that was a good learning experience. Okay. But as I, you know, learned and progressed in my own career, you know, and in getting additional designations like the certified financial planner, um, you know, it's a mile wide and an inch deep, but you, you learn a lot of things yeah. that, you know, different business models don't necessarily cater to, right. And it's not right or wrong. It's just, that's the business that they've built. So I wanted to go a little bit deeper, right. I, I really wanted to, to look at taxes and how do we, how do we look at the, at the big picture, right. The whole picture here. Um, so I left, I went to a smaller firm, um, here I, I'm out of Utah for, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, went to a smaller firm here in Utah. I'm trying to find that. Um, long story short, I, I didn't. It, it, it wasn't a good fit. But again, still a very good learning experience. Sure. I picked up a lot of uh, operational experience of just, again, how do we, how is the 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 juice made or whatever the saying is. Yeah, um, no, I got you. <laughs> which was valuable. And at that point, I decided, you know what, I can either, you know, take another chance on someone else sure. um, and, and hope I find a good fit. Or I can take a chance on myself and build a firm the exactly the way I want. Right. Yeah. So ultimately that that's what me, what led me here today and, and starting focal point financial planning um, a little, little more than two years ago was I, I want to do things my way. I want to provide high quality service and I don't want to dilute that service uh, okay. by having hundreds and hundreds of households um, because I know myself um, and I know what I'm good at and what I don't enjoy and I do not enjoy managing people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so my vision for this firm is not to hire, Hey, I'm going to build this big enterprise firm. We're going to bring in a bunch of advisors, um, you know, like more of a, a high level business owner thing. I, I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So to, to accomplish that vision, I also need to limit the number of households I work with. All right. So okay. the, the vision right now, it can always change, but Hey, I'm going to work with 50 households. I'm going to do really, really good work for them. We're going to go deep and I'm going to know everything about their situation. Um, and then, you know, seats taken, you know, there's only so many seats on the bus and at some point you gotta, you gotta drive off. So definitely. And that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, in, uh, kind of touching on that as well. Um, if someone's watching this and, and they're sort of, maybe they're at a call center or they're at a different job or maybe a larger mm -hmm. firm, what would you maybe advise of them if they're considering starting their own firm, or maybe you have some tips on a, a big hurdle or two that you um, had along the way, because you know there there might be someone out there who's watching this and they're saying, "Well, hey, how did you do it?" Um, mm -hmm. So, what tips would you have for that person? Um, save cash. Save cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Build up a cash runway uh, because um, most of the firms, you know, you're you're gonna have a. I was told, hey, have at least like a two to three year cash runway to cover expenses because it's going to take about that long to kind of get back to where you were. So it's a it, it's a lot of short term pain for long term payoff. So don't underestimate <laughs> the cash burn that you'll probably okay. have. And really, most of the burn is just your your personal expenses. Sure. Um, but before you get to that point, just just be honest with yourself and 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 make a list of what do I enjoy. Uh, you know, what do I enjoy doing? What interests me um, and what doesn't interest me? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was very much, I, I don't like being told what to do as much, <laughs> you know, or if I have an idea, I, I, I wanted to be nimble, right? I'd learn about, you know, new strategies or new information yeah. and I couldn't implement it because of, you know, company XYZ's business model, or we have too many clients and we just don't have time. Um, so just, just play to your strengths, right? If you love talking to people and, and building networks and relationships, like you can do that in a lot of different places. You don't have to go out on your own to do that um, and, and have a very successful career. Um, if you are not sales oriented, you know, tr there's, there's plenty of firms out there where they say, Hey, we have so many clients. We just want you to service them. Yeah. Just, just help them out. You don't have to do any prospecting or any sales, just help us help our clients. Yeah. Um, so, so just realize, you know, especially at the big brokerage firms, you don't, that is your world um, is their kind of ecosystem that they've built. Um, th it's a big world outside of that. There's more tools, there's more software, there's more, you know, you can niche down, you, you know, you can say no to people yeah. uh, because everybody deserves expert advice. And I know that I'm not the expert for everybody, right? That, that's why I specifically say, hey, if, if you have a large capital gain and or you're getting ready to retire, I'm I'm going to add a lot of value for you. But if you come to me and you have questions about college funding or your student loans or that stuff, yeah, I, I probably could help you. But there's there's tons of advisors out there where that's their specialty. Hey, you have questions on all your you know um, stock options from your publicly traded tech company that you work with. There are go work with somebody where that's all they do. They're going to spot things because this is all they look at all day long, and it's just going to be a lot better experience. So, um, kind of a long answer. Sorry, I got a little. No, no, that there. was great. That was that was honestly exactly what I was looking for. And um, I think you kind of mentioned something else I was going to ask you because I obviously I know that um, you advocate for a deferred sales trust, and that's not the reason why I'm sure. having you on here today. That's yeah, a great tool. Um, but 
what are some of maybe the strategies that you employ for, you know, some of the clients that you work with? And obviously, again, I know the deferred sales trust is one of them, but there's oh, yeah. probably a lot of other ones that you do implement. And, and really, it just depends on what your client needs. So what are maybe some of those clients, you know, look like and, and how do you help them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, deferred sales trust is a great tool, but just like any strategy, it's not a fit for everybody. So if I had to just... I don't want to say dumb it down, but oversimplify it. Uh, tax strategy and tax planning is deferring income when you're in a high tax bracket and paying it or realizing it when you're in a low tax bracket. That's that's it. Okay. I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's so easy. That's it. Well, there, there's a lot right. of different yeah, ways yeah. and instruments to to accomplish that. It just depends on what you want to do, right? If you're a big real estate bug, um, 1031 exchange is probably going to be the first thing that, that you should look at, right? From from there, you know, there's so 1031 exchanges, there's opportunity zones um, for for capital gains. Um, there's again, it's just how do we how do we match your income to what we're expecting those taxes to be? And you know, looking into the future, a lot of that's guesswork. Okay, so a lot of it is what do we how do we take the facts we know now and project that into the future, right? Are you you know, a, a high earning commercial real estate agent that's earning high six figures, you know, into the seven figures every year. Yeah. But when you take that step back, you only need to live on 250, 250,000, you know, yeah. that's, that's a big opportunity. Let's defer as much as we can and then realize that income at lower tax rates. You know, yeah. uh, another thing to think about is uh, <laughs> historical tax rate, tax rates. If you look at that chart, it's, it's humbling. Uh, you know, the top historical tax bracket was up to 90% yeah. for <laughs> several decades. It's wow. not like it was just a, a little blip at time. So when you look at government spending um, and taxes and, and just that big macro view, um, what do you think is more likely, right? Not, not you specifically, but just, sure. no, just think yeah. about into the future of, do you think that tax rates have the potential to go up or do you think that the government's going to cut back on their spending? Um, which is more likely. Yeah. Okay. And it's not mutually exclusive, hopefully, right. Hopefully <laughs> right. some, some fiscal responsibility does come in. Um, but you know, we also don't want to be so cavalier as to say, this is what's going to happen because there's a million ways that they can slice that pie. Yeah. Um, of, of what taxes do they raise on whom at what income level, but that, that's the stuff that we're wanting to look at is what are you making now? What are you going to live on in the future? Um, so some of the tools to do that, obviously deferred sales trust opportunity zone funds, if they, if it fits right, if they like real estate and they have a long-term horizon, yeah. um, something as easy as just uh, Roth conversions, right? If, if you have a lot, a lot of people that I, I come across, um, they're they're kind of sitting on a tax landmine and they don't even know it. Yeah. Um, it, it the problem is that that landmine isn't going to go off until 20 years from now. And the problem is that we as humans don't care about future us. You know, I think there are, there are some studies that, you know, we basically future you is no different than a stranger walking by you on a street of just like the weight that we put on it. Yeah. Um, I care about future you. <laughs> that's that's what my Thanks, job Marcus. is to is it. to watch out for is is several decades into the future. Um, but you know, if you have if you've deferred everything and 
now you have this huge deferred payment that the government will, they want their cut, right? You don't actually own, like for your 401k, for example, or whatever. Um, you know, if you have a million dollars, you don't actually have a million dollars because you you and the government are a partner in that growth. Yeah. So again, if if we can find strategic years or like in down markets, for example, where it makes sense to, hey, let's prepay some of that tax. Let's shift it over um, intelligently uh, into a Roth. That way you lock in tax-free growth. Uh, you have more flexibility, especially if it's a partner um, or, 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 you know, their spouses, uh, you know, they, they get to file taxes as married filing jointly. Um, if something were to happen to one of them and, and the other is left for several decades, um, they, it's called the, you know, widow's tax. They, mm -hmm. they get bumped back into the single tax bracket, even though they're still probably living on, um, roughly the same income. Yeah. So now their tax bracket is back up and deferring the taxes for the last 30 years. Now you're paying the same tax rate or higher. And that doesn't make sense. So it's just finding a balance. You know, nothing is is absolute and taxes always change. You know, every I, I tell clients expect every five to 10 years, yeah. there's probably going to be either a big estate or tax law change. And that's what I'm here to keep up for you is because you don't want to read through tax law or, you know, go through what the changes are. Um, that's my job is to filter through that information. How does it actually apply to you? Definitely. And, and you got it kind of, you hit it right on the head. I mean, everybody's least favorite uncle, I think is probably uncle Sam. Right. Um, but uh, I know, especially right now, you were just saying the market's kind of been changing so, so much. And um, I guess that's a, a good question, you know, with how dynamic everything has been. And, and I get that, you know, each client's different and some of them are way more conservative. Some of them are, are going to be super risky. Um, so, you know, a lot of the riskier people are probably really excited right now because the market is a little bit in turmoil, but for, for some of your more conservative clients, I mean, have you had to, you know, maybe plan their retirement a little bit more strategically? What, what strategies are you currently using, if any, to, to really help them preserve or, um, to, to ensure that their retirement is sort of set up in a way that's going to be most beneficial for them? Sure. So if for for people that are in that distribution phase where and, and that's a big mindset shift, you know, I don't want to gloss over that where you're, you've spent a lifetime saving and accumulating and growing this wealth and now it's time to spend it down. That's that's already a big shift to, to yeah, try and get definitely. ahead of. Um, and like you said, there, there there's always going to be some some anxiety, right? The, ultimately, I say I help people with three things. Uh, the first is, are you actually on track to where you want to go? Or in other words, am I going to be okay? Is what people want, right? That's what they're looking for. Am I going to be okay? Uh, 2008 is still very fresh in people's minds, and given recent events, it's it's coming up again. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, funny how <laughs> history just kind of rhymes and repeats itself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's the first question. Second question is how do how how can we improve your investments? How can we keep uh, be mindful of taxes and fees and reduce those as much as possible, uh, where it makes sense. And then the third one is, is how can we reduce that lifetime tax bill? Again, I, I specify on lifetime yeah. tax bill. We're, we're not specifying on, hey, how do we reduce your taxes as much as possible in a single year? Because again, that may, if you defer everything, that can create a, a ticking tax time bomb yeah. for you down the road. And that's what we don't want. Um, but to, to answer your question of how do we deal with <laughs> struggles in the market and, and yeah. fears, because there always are. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, of using guardrails uh, when, it when it comes to pulling income. 
uh, because you know you, you may have heard of like oh the, there's the four percent rule and the, now it's the two percent rule and and for those of you who aren't familiar it's there, there's some research done um, I think back in the 90s or it, it was a while ago where I think Bill Bangan uh, did, did a lot of retirement research and said okay four percent of your you can basically you can withdraw four percent of your portfolio um, if you just have liquid investments um, and that is like the minimum safe withdrawal or withdrawal rate, right? Because going back to I think 1969 was the worst time to to retire. Yeah. Um, which which is is not 2008, right? 2008 was actually not the worst. 69 was because we had inflation, uh, we had multiple rolling bear markets throughout the 70s. Um, so that that that's a very static rule, though. However, that that's the thing. It's great for research, and it's it's valuable to to research and see what's happened. But most people don't just say, "Okay, if this is you, if you say this is the amount of money I'm going to take, I'm going to increase it by inflation every year, and I am never going to change anything." Um, <laughs> then I guess yeah, I use four percent rule. Um, <laughs> the guardrails is a little bit more updated research. If you if people are want to nerd out, um, it's from Guyton and Klinger. I think they they did some. Uh, really good research around it, but basically it's it's a, a more dynamic approach to how people actually live their lives, right? So we can start with probably a little bit higher withdrawal rate and with the understanding that there's going to be some rules in place, just like driving down a, a canyon road, there are guardrails there for a reason, right? Um, if if we start drifting too far to one side, like for example, if the portfolio is is doing really well, and we're getting close to our upper guardrail. And we, if we go over that guardrail, then great, you, you get a pay bump. Basically, hey, here, here's a bonus. Um, the, the investments are doing really well. And you can afford to increase your income a little bit. Okay. Now, that, <laughs> the most important thing is to, to realize that that works on the other side. Yeah. Okay? If we start drifting to the other end, um, like last year or you know, a big market event, um, markets are down, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Okay, we are gonna take a little bit of a haircut. Okay, it's not like we're cutting income in half or anything, but which which is what people do naturally anyway, right? I mean, in in two thousand eight, you you see recession everywhere on the news, and people just naturally don't go on as many vacations or you know buy the big fancy trucks or whatever, right? They they naturally cut back anyway, so it 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 just kind of fits human nature anyway so so that that's that's what we use to in place is there's very clear hey here's our guardrails here's our plan for what we will do if we trip one of these guardrails so you know if if we've already talked about this and we already have set rules in place we're we're just following the plan at this point so it's not it's very it's not reactive right i mean yes we're reacting to the to the balance but we already have set steps in place so that helps. I like that approach. Um, it, it's really easy for clients to understand. Um, and again, it, it's kind of what they do already. Yeah. Yeah. And really what's one of the, and maybe you probably have a lot of conversations with your clients when these types of things are happening. What's mm -hmm. something that maybe is a too common of a conversation or, or something that people just don't look out for enough that, um, you tend to have far too often that you kind of just wish more people knew about, or maybe it's just something you wish more people knew about in general. Um, that's, that's a tough question. Yeah. It's loaded. Um, it's definitely well, a loaded one. So many things. Um, you know, if, 
can you repeat the question? Sorry, sure. I'm so going to need a minute. Really, just to just to simplify it, it's more of just what's a common conversation you have a lot that you know you wish more people knew about, um, and you know maybe it's something as simple as hey, what's the difference between different uh, IRAs or, or my tax mm -hmm. liability at a certain um, point, or you know sure. what what's maybe going to be a, a the safer side of things for an investment or a more risky investment. Um, what's a, maybe a conversation you have with clients who um, they're just saying, hey, here's my money. I want, you know, this much out of it and uh, I need you to do this for me. And maybe they're just kind of missing a point or two. OK, um, yeah, I'll 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 hit on a couple of things. Sure. Um, first one I, I that I see a lot to be and, and to be honest, it's people that that use advisors um, is just because you have 20 different mutual funds in your account doesn't mean that you're diversified okay and and what i mean by that is once you take a look under the hood um you see that a lot of these funds own the same companies so that's a problem because you know it, a fund has its own trading expenses and and stuff that it needs to do to keep its lights on um which is just cost of doing business right and uh, trades have costs for the big firms um and when you're putting you're paying 20 different people to to buy and sell apple and microsoft for you um that creates a lot of drag uh, both from a tax perspective um and just from a, a returns perspective so that that's really easy low-hanging fruit hey let's <laughs> let's make sure the investments make sense for you um <clears throat> actually line up what they're wanting to do um yeah that that that's that's one i see a lot um the second one is as uh, I, I hear people say, oh, I don't want to pay any taxes. Well, I, I, I understand. I'm on your side here, guys. <laughs> um, that, that's just not the world we live in, unfortunately. Exactly. Um, so, so, so we, you know, there are very few situations where you can completely eliminate taxes. Um, for, for business owners out there, if, you know, Section 1202 stock um, is a really good opportunity to to eliminate capital gains, but there are a lot of qualifications that that need to happen, and most people don't meet those qualifications. Uh, the two big ones, for example, are you, you can't be a service related business. Um, so, like me, I, I run a financial advisory practice that's a service related business. I'm disqualified. Um, so that's the first thing that people usually get disqualified from. Um, the second thing is you have to be a, a C corporation. Okay, and you have to own it for at least five years. So if you're an LLC or an S-Corp, which most small businesses are, um, unless you want to work with a tax attorney, make sure it makes sense, you know, convert to a C-Corp and then wait five years and then sell. Most people don't want to do that though. Right? They, if they're talking about selling, they want to sell now or within the next 12 months. Um, so th those are those are big ones is, is just managing expectations of yeah, taxes will happen. But again, it, it's... People feel like taxes happen to them. It's a very reactive thing. They the the only time they look at taxes is when they work with their tax preparer and they say, "Okay, here's either your refund or here's your bill," and they don't know why. It, you know, and they don't need to understand all the working parts. But it's something that I that I really try to stress and and, and work on with my clients is, "Hey, these are the big pieces um, that will affect your taxes, right? Your your income and your deductions and all that stuff." Um, and just setting expectations. So that that helps a lot of, you know, taxes will be paid, but now we can be more proactive and 
choose when and how we're going to pay Uncle Sam, uh, you know, as, as little of a cut as possible, right? I mean, it's it's uh, you don't get extra patriot points for overpaying on taxes, right? It doesn't make you any more patriotic than your neighbor. Um, I've, I've heard some people say, which which is a great saying. <laughs> I love it. So the, just really what it comes down to is managing expectations. Um, another one is is all the professionals in their life aren't communicating. So you have, you know, yeah. maybe you work with an estate attorney, maybe you have a, a tax repair or CPA, and maybe you have a, a advisor or a real estate broker you work with a lot. They all kind of work on their own silos and it, it's really not to the client's benefit, right? Everyone is trying to help the client, but everyone has their own ideas and they may be pulling in different directions. So especially between the tax repair and the advisor, there absolutely needs to be uh, an open line of commu communication there, right? There's, there's no, uh, you know, and you have to be be careful about it because they have their ideas and their experiences and, and you may be missing something. So, you know, there's something that you can learn from everybody. And that's the, the approach I try and take is, Hey, you know, th these are some of the ideas I have. If I go to a tax repair, for example, um, what am I missing? Uh, you know, what, what do you see on your end and, and really just collaborate and work together again for you're both, both working for the client right? That they're the ones paying you. So make sure that it's a good experience for them. Definitely. So. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's all perfect. Um, and Marcus, I, I also do before we um, wrap up, I, I want to give you maybe an opportunity to give yourself a little bit of a shout out. So what might be sort of the best way for, for people who are interested in maybe learning more, who might want to work with you, um, really just to reach out to you. And, and of course, in the newsletter also down below, I'm going to link your LinkedIn profile and your okay. website. But if you want them to reach out to you, is there any better way? Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn way too much. So I mean, that LinkedIn works. Uh, you're, you're happy to go to the website as well, which is www.focalpointplanning.com. Um, and that has, you know, my phone number and email and little contact form there. So um, that's probably the best way you can kind of poke around the website, see kind of how I think, see again, who I, who I work with, uh, because we, again, we want to make sure that you find an expert for your situation. Definitely. Well, okay. Awesome. And Marcus, I, I really appreciate you sharing some, some knowledge with, uh, with me today. I learned a lot from you and, and of course I think everybody else did as well. So I appreciate your time and thanks for, uh, thanks for joining in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Paul. Of course.